Welcome to Way Off the Record, the podcast that focuses on the underreported masses. Today I'm having a conversation with my good friend and amazing artist, Marie Tree. Enjoy. Okay, here we are again. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Part two of my interview with Marie Tree, singer, songwriter, uh, classical musician, pianist, um, guitar player extraordinaire, and my good friend. Yes. So we left off when we were talking you were, about Stevie Wonder. When you met Stevie Wonder, yes. not just seeing him in yes. concert. So I went out to a friend of mine is the head of diversity over at Hyundai, and he was responsible for the Image Awards in LA. So he called me to see if me and the boys could come and perform. And so, of course, I said yes, and I flew out a couple of days earlier, and... Um, Hold up. Is this red for a reason? It's Are we, probably just a... Is wait. it okay that we're recording? I think so. Um, <laughs> did you do it on the same track? Did you go to the <clears throat> end of the track? I went to a whole other new Oh, then we should file. be fine. Okay. okay. It, it looks like it... Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's just a different color. I'm really so new anyway. at this whole technology thing. So I got out to LA and I had gotten really, really sick. I was just super sick, and um, I was I was afraid I wasn't gonna make it. You know, I picked up the boys, we went, and I was just you know not feeling well, really anemic, and um, and I told them I said you know I'm just I'm not gonna go, and they were like no you have to go you have to have a ticket. So I go over to it was in, at the Pasadena Civic Center. So I go over to the auditorium. And I walk in, and Forrest Whitaker is speaking. And he is talking about the legacy that he wants to leave for his children and the children of the world mm. and what he thinks is important. And so, of course, I start crying. <laughs> and then Oprah comes out, and she says, I would like to present this award posthumously to um, Mandela for all of the mm-hmm. work that he's done. And in honor of that, we're going to have Stevie Wonder come out and sing. So I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is just crazy. Queen Latifah is sitting in front of me. Alicia Keys oh. is over here. And I'm just like, this is crazy. And um, Stevie starts singing. He did three songs. He did some song that he had done for Mandela. And of course, I cried through all of that too. And I was mm-hmm. just thinking as I was sitting there, this is where I want to be. I want to be with these. These are my people. This right, is where I need right, to be. Right. And so, of course, then I teeter back over to the um, the... Civic Center where they're having this. So there's an auditorium and they had another sort of holding room and there's all these places. And my friend was like, hey, so I want you to go up on stage and I want you to just sort of open up and and do a few things by yourself. And I'm thinking these people have been drinking since probably noon. And, you know, they are not Wait, the same stage that you saw? Yeah, so so there was a stage and then... So there was the awards on one side and then in this other building... They had these other things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Lettucey was opening. She was playing. We were playing in this little like lounge room. Mm. And so he pulled me on the main stage to come play. And I was like, oh, my God. So I go play. It's great. And then I came back in the room. And so we, we had been playing. We were supposed to do like three sets. We're in the middle of the second set. We're about to take a break. And I look up and I see Stevie and his entourage coming towards us. And so... You know, Jeff was like, I thought we were going to take a break. I'm like, dude, look. And so he's looking, and Stevie is his idol. And, I mean, Jeff, is he's so cool about everything. Like, he never oh gets frazzled. God. And he's like, and we're just, we're looking at each other, and so we're just playing. So we continue to play. And he sits right in front of us. Like, he's, like, maybe where that bicycle is. So he's maybe 10 feet from us, and mm. he's sitting. And his, his, his people are swirling around, and he's just sitting there. And he's just very giving off that energy. Yeah. And just listening. And so we finished up the set. We went longer than we were going to. We got up. And he asked his handler to bring him over. And he's like, that was really beautiful. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. He said this to you? To me. Yeah. Oh he's shaking my hand. So, of course, I start crying. And then, you know, my dumb bandmate is like, oh, it's okay because he can't see you. And I'm like, you are stupid, son. <laughs> why? Why? You know, why oh. do you just perpetually want to, you know, have me laughing in people's faces? But I, I was crying the whole time. And I couldn't get myself together. And so then we all took this, this picture together with him. And it was just 
It was amazing. And, you know, you have these moments in your life where sometimes you just need validation. Like, dear God, am I doing the right thing? Yeah, yeah. And then out of nowhere, here he comes and he's like, oh, I love what you're doing. This is really great. Keep it up. So You can't get more much more validation right, than that. Right. You know? I mean, you can tell me anything for like days. I'd be like, yeah, but Stevie Wonder said it. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was great. I mean, we were all so excited. And then just to see Jeff that excited, because he's worked with everybody, but he hadn't worked with Stevie. And he was so excited. I mean, we were like little girls. We were like, oh, my God, look at Stevie. We were so excited. So I, I agree. I mean, I don't know if like he's one of those people that I don't know if I would be able to speak yeah or behave yeah like, i mean yeah what do i what do, what do you say to someone like yeah you know i love you i mean i didn't say anything he said it to me and and, it and was he said just, it exactly yeah and i thought i told him i said you know your work has been so instrumental in who i am as a performer i mean mm-hmm. we, we are all influenced by him so heavily and just to to meet him and get that kind of feedback it was really great it was really is pretty oh, magical. man. There's one other question I want to ask you, and I had it in my head earlier. Oh, um, so back up to when uh, I'm going to guess like early early 2000s or something. Or, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Cutting room. Oh, my God. The cutting room. Um, wow. Phoebe Snow. Oh my God! I was telling somebody that story the right, other day. Wasn't right. that incredible? Do you remember what do. year it was? was I don't. Like, but it feels like it had to be around then, maybe two thousand two, two thousand three. So yeah. I, so Marucha and I are you know friends for a good number of years at this point, and <clears throat> I don't know you. I was at a said, sound check. Come to the sound check yeah. at, at Cutting Room, which yeah. is this legendary now defunct place well no they've reopened they reopened and it's more beautiful in the same place no they no because they the rent went up fifty thousand dollars and he was like i'm not doing that you don't even turn the heat on where is it so it's it's over on the east side and it's lovely it's lovely it's lovely all right i'm gonna yeah you have to go with me because i love that i love that location that's my favorite one of my favorite parts of new york it's so beautiful well i'm glad that i'm glad it's still around because it was legendary and and um so I went there. You said come and before the show to check out the before your show to yeah. check out the soundtrack, and, and it was like, oh, awesome! Because I love that kind of thing. Like we yeah, talked about this, like right? looking at the process of what it takes to make anything, you know, yes, a movie, yes, a concert, you know, yes. what you have to go through to to make it proper, right? You know? So. And again, forgive me if I'm getting the details wrong, but no, what I okay. remember was like going to the place because I'd been there before and mm-hmm. to see you and I love that place and <clears throat> getting a drink and walking back to the stage area and you're talking to this woman, this rather lovely woman, you know, um, older white lady Yeah. Um, at the foot of the stage. I was playing. Remember, I was sitting there and playing. Yeah, you were. And she came over, and she was like, how's the piano? I was like, it's great. And then, you know, we were both sitting there fawning. Like. Yeah, but you knew who she was. I didn't know who she was. I thought you did. No, I didn't know who she oh, was. Oh, until she said her name. No, and no, no. And then you were like, holy shit. No, so here's the story. Here's the thing. This is what I find so fascinating about this, because when you were the one to tell me, like, I think you, like, whispered to me, it's a fucking Phoebe Snow. And I li- nearly lost my shit. We almost peed. Remember, we were I just I nearly lost like, oh my, my shit. God. My knees were gone. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. But thankfully, I recovered quickly enough to mention to her this NPR interview or something that I heard with her several years, like many years hence. And she told the story of she got a call. One one day, this is like this is a long time ago, but uh-huh. before we, we were in there we at the cutting her, room, yeah. she got a call from the NAACP, yeah. right? Because they thought she was black wanna, and they wanted to give we her We want to watch your like you know the African American music, something, woman music yeah. of, the, of the year yes. award or whatever. And she's like, "Well, I'm really flattered, um, truly, I am, but um, I'm not black." Hey. And there was this big pause with yeah. the person interviewing her. I don't know if it was Terry Gross or whatever. It was like, 
And I always thought she was black too. Well, so, I did too. Like I, I did too. I spat out whatever I was drinking. And because at the she's time. adopted, I mean, she very well. There, you know what I and mean. And she like, kind of looked it too she as totally well. She totally looks it. And I remember she was like, remember she said to us, she was like, "You know who I am." And we were both like, "Are you insane right now?" Do you remember that we we were just going? I want to get back to that in a second. Yeah. Because that's a she's really so important humble. point of it. Um, I told her that story when you were there. Yes. You know, we were there talking yes. about it, and she's and she talked about it, and she was just so lovely, and yeah, she's like, yeah, that was kind of a weird thing, you know, like, and she was just really chill about it, um, and I kind of felt like at that moment, like if if you're gonna meet somebody that is famous and your idol, that's kind of like the best that's kind of thing to like start. Yes. The conversation with, but what I remember is how lonely she seemed. Right, and remember, remember she asked me like, to play "My Man's Gone" now. Yeah, and I was like, "Of course I can play that." And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there with you, and thinking, "This is so surreal." It's surreal. I'm playing for Phoebe Snow in the middle. Like, who? How does this even? I How think I remember thinking, happen? I think you were thinking, we were thinking the same thing. Like, I'm sure she's busy. We don't want to like right, keep her here for the soundtrack. Her. And she was like, no, but she can didn't I sing and feel the room? Leave and it she was like I know. heartbreaking and Amazing also really the lovely time. at the same time. And, and I, may she rest in peace. I will never forget that Neither. moment. I, I felt what you said is so appropriate. I felt that. That's how you're supposed to act when people come and they talk to you and they ask you about their life and about your life and, and tell them the impact. They're not supposed to Absolutely. shut down. But I think, like I told you, I had that experience with Phyllis Hyman where she was not nice. But then I later watched Unsung and I found out how unhappy and how bitter she was and how, how many drugs she was doing and, and all these yeah. things that factor into what that day might have been for her. Yeah. And I think... It's now easier mm-hmm. for me to understand that. And just being older, you know, because we were so excited. And it's like, exactly. oh, my God, I just want you to, to acknowledge that we love you and we're excited. And she's like, I don't have time, you know. Yeah. But Phoebe Snow was just completely, she was so engaged and she's engaging so and so and open and so humble. Oh I'm like, God. how do you think we don't know who you are? Part of the reason Poetry I man. do this. This is what I'm saying. Can we talk about, like, I'm going to look this up right now, the lyrics. Oh, my God. To Poetry Man. Make me laugh. Oh, your eyes, they light the night. Oh, my God. Do me. Oh. See, now, you have you know the lyrics. You boy. You're there's, something sweet. There's this one lyric that just kind of kills me. Um, Which one? Because they're also... You're hiding something sweet. Please give it to me. You are a genie. All I ask for is your smile each time I rub the lamp. When I'm with you, I have a giggling teenage crush. Then I'm a sultry vamp. A sultry vamp. Oh, talk to me some more. You know, you don't talk have to go. Talk to me some more. You don't have to go. You're the poetry man. You make things all right. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, she gets into this. Here we are. So once again, it's time to say so long. And so, and so recall, recall the call, the call of, life. of life. You're going home now, home that's somewhere that place you go you each go to, day to see, to your, see your wife. wife. To see your wife. Right. I don't know how that's this song, song changes. It yeah, changes the whole thing, right? You don't even know right? what's happening. You think, oh my God, she's It's in like love a love dude. song, but it's, it's like, no, song. it's a love song about someone she's in love with who's also married. And yes. what I love is, like with every great song, it starts. It really doesn't change, I don't think, you're the musician, I don't think it changes key or anything, but no. it turns this, like that point, it turns to like, oh, this is what she's actually talking about. But it's this right, really that's when you melodic, yeah. poetic, sort of lovely song. And I remember being a really young kid, right? Um, her and Joni Mitchell, you know, were like, are etched into my musical memory. But this particular song, when I was, I don't know how old I was, you know, heard it, you know, a bunch of times and just, and didn't under, it didn't really, you know, yeah, you don't get it until you didn't know how to read, you know, like (laughs) you went five years old who couldn't read music. I couldn't read period. And so once I 
reached that age of what I call the age of enlightenment, age of 10 for mm-hmm. me, was like when you start to understand concepts and yeah, like really interesting, complex human emotions. Um, and then I went back to the song and then I read the lyrics and I was like, holy it's shit. It's devastating. I mean, and, devastating. And, and I was the same. So, so the, it's funny, the three songs, Eleanor Rigby, this song, and Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now. And I've started doing that song within the last oh, seven years. And it's, it's so different. We used to sing that song at Catholic school, right? Yeah. We would sing it in the masses. And I, and I, I, th- I always thought, what a great Both song. Both Sides Now? You yeah, sang that Both in sides Catholic now. school? Yes. We sang all sorts of weird things. The Sounds of Silence, which you know, oh. is another one. Like all of these songs. And, and, and that's where my love of lyrics and, and the feeling that lyrics can evoke because when I listen to a song I want to feel that and I realize that sometimes now I don't I don't feel that maybe I'm just older jaded and I kind of thought oh that doesn't happen and then that song Jealous by Labyrinth yeah that song floored me like that lyric just completely floored me and I was like oh no people are writing music but the Joni Mitchell song I mean and so many of them like I listened to Cactus Tree somebody called me to do a Joni Mitchell tribute and I didn't know Cactus Tree and she gave me the, the verse, the third verse. You mean Carol King? No, um, no, oh. Cactus Tree. Do you know? Do you know? The no, story? do Baby? I not know Cactus Tree? Baby, Cactus Baby, Tree. It was the story of my life. Shut up. And as I was singing the song, I I realized that it was the story of my life. And I'm on this tribute, and I'm singing my verse, and I'm crying because I'm like, oh my god, this 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 I've never heard anybody express this this way, positively. But this this is who I am. Like this is this is the life that I've led, and up until now, you know, things are switching. But yeah, I mean, those those were the songs that I listened to as a five year old. Like that's what I was hearing. That's what was moving. And then you know, like I, my dad would take me to piano lessons in the morning, and we would listen to stuff like Steely Dan or mm. Gato Barbieri. So, and the Beatles were always around. Stevie was always around because he owned a radio station out there at the time that we used to listen to all the time. And so there were all these very different musical styles. My dad is a jazz musician. And then, you know, with my friends, I was listening to the Beatles. Beach Boys were always on the radio. So those harmonies, I mean, Brian Wilson is a genius. That dude is a genius. And I don't, there's no way around that. That's what it is. See, I love that you're you're able to, at such a young age, to absorb the greatness of these songs and these artists. And then a mere two years later, so you're like five years old. I'm just, you know, going from what you said earlier, five years old to being able to play piano, but not really being able to read music. And then two years later, you're able to like read fucking music and then quantify in a way as much as you can. Yeah. You know, why these songs were important. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I felt them. Like Fantastic. The, the feeling that they that they gave me, I'm like, this. these are but the songs I want to write. There's the feeling, which you have, which yes. we all have, yes. but then you're able to kind of like understand maybe the math of it, or well, I don't want to like... It's clinic- the chords, yeah, you don't want to... Clini- it's not super clinical, but... Clinicize, Yeah, I guess, that, I don't know. To make it clinical? Yes, to make it clinical, there you go. You don't want to do that, because you, you don't, don't want to analyze... That. But but then and then you know like songs by by Leonard Cohen too like he's oh a, come on I mean the the feeling that that stuff evokes you know and and even like I find that now even when I don't understand a language that a song is being sung yeah me too if it's yeah. something that is I mean I could listen to it and it'll it'll go straight through me and I know and then I'll go look at the lyric there's a song by um, Alex de Cuba called the Camino. And I, I kept hearing this song, and it would just make me so happy. And I was like, I don't even know what he's saying. And at that point, I wanted to learn a song in Spanish. So I go to look it up, and he's talking about the way to get to happiness, how you find her. He, he refers to happiness as a, as a her, and that's what he's looking for. And I'm like, of course, because that's what this feels like. Mm. I don't understand the words, but I understand how I feel. But you understand the, right. and, the emotion and of it. I think that's the key, like trying to figure out how to, how to tuck the emotion into these words that need to be in a three minute and 23 second format and how to just go straight through the heart of people. And it's, it's a challenge. I mean, that's, that's, and I I don't, I don't think it's something that you can, 
even consciously achieve. Like I think the more authentic and honest you are with mm-hmm. whatever you're writing, the more apt you are to get that feeling inside exactly. the words. And the exactly. And that's the goal. I and mean, that's so the goal for me. I feel the same way about like photography. Yes. You can teach somebody the technical parts of, yes. you know, yes. shutter speed, aperture, yes. uh, film speed. Well, now it's like, you know, whatever. Right. But you can't teach someone how to compose a good photograph. Right. So I think the same thing is you can't teach somebody how to... How to pull the soul out of the music. Pull the soul out of a song. Yeah. And like... Um, I kind of feel like you either have it or you don't. Like so, back to Leonard Cohen. Like, um, I confess, I came late to the game with Jeff oh, Buckley. Me, yeah, I mean, listen, me too, Dude. me too. But Dream Brother, so Dream oh Brother was God, the first oh song God. I learned right, on guitar right. because that song. Sp- I heard it. I went to a Tamar Kali rehearsal. I was playing piano for her for something, and I had been playing guitar literally probably two weeks. <laughs> and I heard that song and I was by the way Maritri is an amazing bored. overall musician pianist um, and when did you take up guitar? about 10 years ago 10 years ago okay you would not know but I you I, have the sensibility well you know what it is it's but so they're funny. different they're different they're so music different. staff and right? when I was a kid like I always wanted to play guitar and I couldn't and then I went through this horrible breakup right and my best friend was like yo you need to get a guitar because you need somewhere to put this. So I got the guitar. I went to him. You know, he's like, I can show you how to do it. He's a great guitarist. And so I went and, you know, he showed me all the scales and stuff. And he was talking to me and I heard everything that he said. And then I went home and I was trying to practice, but then these songs kept trying to come through. So I was like, okay, let me just write these songs. So I came back to him and I had three songs and he was like, okay, Marie Tree, (laughs) you don't need me. You... I, he said, I will, I... said, so you don't see me? He said, you don't need me. He said, you and anyone else... He said, me and anyone else will only get in your way. Because your brain oh. is, is, has figured out a way to play this instrument that, that's... That, of course. He said, you can't teach this. Of course, this. of course, like, of course. Exactly, this. exactly. You play in such a... And I, and I didn't really understand it. And I was talking to another friend of mine who's an amazing bass player. And he said to me... Because I was a bitch and I was like, I can't... I don't know scales on this. I don't know where notes are. I, I don't know because I hadn't studied it like that. I made a conscious decision to figure it out mm-hmm. and to hear it because my doing that on the piano had been sort of um, blocked a little bit. I mean, I got, I got back to it, and I can always hear things and play them, but on guitar, I just wanted to be able to feel my way, and so I did, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get in the way of that. You go home, you practice. If you have any technical questions, you can call me. But just go figure it out. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure about this. Like piano is one clef and guitar is another, right? They're so not like piano has like two clefs. So it's got, oh. it's got treble and bass. Treble and bass. Guitar only has one, I think. But the, the deal with the piano, everything is laid out for you. Right, the guitar has these strings, and so every string is different. And I'm visual, so mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out what I was looking at. So I had to figure it out by ear, and then it made sense. And then I was hearing these crazy melodies, and my I couldn't play them. I was writing these songs I couldn't play. I mean, I knew that I would be able to, uh-huh. but I had to. Like my brain had to catch up. Like my fingers had to catch up, and I finally figured out how to. Um, how to play the sounds that I heard. So you, exactly. So yeah. that's when I'm, cause I'm, I'm still struggling with like the F chord on the Yeah. I, I, I couldn't play guitar. the F chord and I was like, you know what? Fuck the F chord. I'm not doing the it. The whole like, let me figure out how to make bar it. chord thing. Yeah. Holy so shit. I pull my thumb on the top and then f- figure it that way. Yeah. And you know, Bill was looking at me, my teacher and was like, uh, okay, <laughs> well that's strange. <laughs> Whatever works. Before. If you've right, ever watched Dolly Parton play the guitar. Oh my like, God. Can no, we okay, talk about for just for her, just for a moment. Can we just talk about so her? again, songwriters who get inside of of you, and that that's who I was listening to. Staying um, Prince, I mean Prince yeah. for me was so <coughs> freeing. He just he, he talked about things that nobody ever talked about in that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time, like I heard Purple Rain, I think first, and I was sort of floored and then I heard the other stuff and I was like oh 
dear God, what is, who is this human being and how is he channeling all of this music? Um, because then I went back and heard For You. And the opening of For You, when he's doing all that, the acapella, that's crazy. <laughs> and I thought that's how my head often sounds. Yeah. These are the things that I hear. So it, it was validation. Well, what's the name of it, babe? Um, a microphone and a, what is it? Piano and a microphone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Bananas. this, this to me Bananas. is, I mean, I've always liked him, but this to me was Prince, a piano and a microphone. Y'all got to listen to this. It's, it's incredible. Fucking it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Cause it's all stripped down. It's just his voice and a microphone and a piano literally. And that's to me, to me, um, when you can take a great song and strip everything away from it, yeah. but just the lyric. Yeah, because that's what it's about. And it's the about voice. the lyric and the melody and how it sits on top of each other and what it makes you feel. And exactly. for me, I, 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 when, he, when there's a lot of production, I tend to listen to that. I'm like, oh, that's great. But when he's sitting down and it's just him and a piano me or too. a guitar and his voice, me too. then I hear all of the, the nuances and the words and... Yeah, yeah, I mean... I mean, both are valid, but like, I yes. would rather almost hear... Like when I was back in my day, uh-huh. I was uh, taking um, ballet class, you know, Brilliant. and jazz and modern and whatever. And the the general idea was learn ballet first, and then you can go on to Everything jazz else. and yeah. and then modern. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I hear somebody's, no matter who it is, someone's music with everything stripped off. Oh, okay. And just the yeah. lyric and the melody is... There's a bunch of songs. And that's why I always yeah. rearrange, because I don't need to, to do these songs that have been really well produced. Mm-hmm. You know do you, you know that song, um, Take On Me by AHA? Mm-hmm. Did you hear the version of that with everything stripped down and it's just him? It becomes a completely... Di- it, it made no, me cry. No, but yeah, there's a so bunch beautiful. of things. That, I think you sent me some things about... Some other artists where like everything was like gone, just the lyric and stuff. Yeah, and, oh, no. and it just lives, and you and you hear it another way. It's such it be, you know because it's such a happy song. Take on me. Yeah, but he's begging this person to yeah to just check him out and just to see him. And when he sings it, and he's like wandering away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's such a beautiful. I mean, the melody is absolutely beautiful. And then you put these lyrics on that you've never heard before. Because I guarantee you, I heard that shit so many times. I'm sure. And then I listened to it scale down, and it became a completely different song. Because you produce the shit out of anything. And right. It, like, and it's fun, it and you dance un- to it, and it's great. But when you sit down, and you're you know, you're know, in that dark room. and You know what I'd love to hear what? that done with is George Michael. May Any he rest in peace. Any of those. Any of those. I mean, Any of his songs. like Father Figure. Oh, Father right. Figure, um, Spin the Wheel. That, that album, Ooh, Older. Older. That's my shit. Is it's incredible. Flawless. It's inc- it is flawless. And, and heartbreaking. And not that I needed any more affirmation right. from him and his music and stuff. But that one was sort of like the most personal. Like, you know, it was about his lover, his Brazilian lover who died and... You know, there's that song um, where he's talking about being with his lover's mother, and and um, see, now I'm gonna have to go back and absolutely listen to the devastated whole thing. him. Yeah, it's such a great it's album. It's a beautiful album. And it was the first album where he was free to be like, yeah, I'm a gay man. I yeah. had this relationship. He died of AIDS. Um, and what? And the beautiful thing about that song is he talked about his lover's struggle more than his own. He talked about his lover's, you know, Catholic upbringing, growing up in Brazil uh-huh. and what his mother and went through and, and how George Michael's relationship with the mother has evolved and stuff. And it's just this beautiful, it's absolutely heartbreaking, the whole album. And then, you know, I have to say, like, I there was a handful of artists that, that die yeah. that have such an impact on me. And sure. that, that was one for me, oh, even that? more than Prince. 
Because for me, George Michael was like just in my DNA at that point. And I thought he was okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and Prince as well. Like yeah. I thought Prince was like I thought way he was gonna be above forever. the fray. You know what I mean? I just thought he would be And then forever. the fucking opioids. Yeah, which is crazy. You know? But I get it. Like, and I think, I mean, I think artists are, we have addictive personalities because that's the only way that you can survive this and do this thing mm-hmm. that you may not ever be paid for or ever get the recognition. You do it because you can't do anything else. And mm-hmm. you're addicted to doing that for yourself. Absolutely. It doesn't have anything. Like somebody asked me the other day, they were like, well, you know, when you think about your audience, when you're making your, you know, you're making your music and your songs. And I was like, I don't think about them. <laughs> and I don't care what they think. I mean, I'm giving... Myself, this is my authentic self. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a say in what that is. Right. That's all about me and how I feel. And I'm giving you that. And that's a gift. You should take it. Right. And then maybe you'd understand who I am, who a lot of other people are. Like, see, okay, so Seal did, you know, he did all of the, the big, huge Trevor Horn productions, which I love. But he did a record of just him and piano and guitar. And it is the most, it's called the Acoustic Sessions. Do we know about this? It is. Oh, the, I gotta hear about that. It is the most. It's beautiful. So right? I'm talking to my boyfriend. So when I turn, and my voice is off. Um, yes, we're talking. I'm about still it. learning about this whole microphone, this giant phallus that yeah, we're worshiping here. I don't. I'm not really sure how this works. So but anyway. yeah, so he does. In like my favorite <clears> song <throat> is Violet, and he does it as it's just all scaled down and it's beautiful and it's. Just piano and guitar. It's 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 gorgeous. Ooh. It's great. You have to you have to hear that. We should play that and then play that. end this. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think that would be great. This is part two of many. However many. I I, yeah. I just kind of feel like you know I've we've known each other forever and there's we've never done this before. We've never. No. And talked. I'm starting to realize. Like I I was talking to my boyfriend <clears throat> the other day and he said, "Oh, you have so many stories." And they're really interesting. And I never thought of exactly, them. And, and exactly. I, and I think this is a good way to figure out where artists are from and and where they've come from and where they're going. It's good for me to talk about it because I often forget and go, wow, life has been really interesting at any and every turn. I think it's good for you and it's also good for people... Fans or not fans, or I should say people. not fans, people that don't know right. your music you or whatever, know. know what goes in, into the creative mind. That's maybe what we should call this creative podcast, mind. The Creative Mind. Yeah, I love that. I don't that. know. Because there's <clears throat> so many untapped stories that people, I think, would really right. like to know about. Sure. I mean, I think I think we would all be better off knowing each other's stories. I think we would be gentler and kinder on a daily basis if we knew. Exactly. Because, I and I mean, on any given day, I don't know what I'm going through. And I, when I teach, I had a kid come in one morning and he was being a complete jerk. <laughs> and I was looking at him and I had to think. I was like, okay, he might not have had breakfast. He might not have slept last night. Yep. His parents might yep. have cussed him out. Yep. He might be the victim of a single parent. His parents might work. And so you think about all this and it's like, okay... I'll give this kid a break. He's still a jerk, but his being a jerk is definitely warranted and justified. I mean, and I, and I think sometimes we, we need love so desperately. Exactly. And the hardest time to love somebody is when they need it so desperately and they're being jerks and they're pushing you away at every given, every turn, they're pushing you away but they just they just want to be loved and held and and talked to and be yeah. told hey you know it's it's going to be okay tomorrow's going to come the day after that and they're going to keep coming and one of those days is going to be okay you're going to be great and especially you being so compassionate <clears throat> and such a good teacher have, having to um Strip away your own biases to this. What is he? Ten year, ten years old. Yeah, yeah. Misbehaving kid, and and knowing that, as you say, he's probably not been fed, or you know, all these things that he's 
he could be subject to and and having to do that like within milliseconds right before you know snatching his throat out why because that's the first instinct yeah, you just exactly. want to be like shut up oh my god it's too early it's 8 30 why are you this angry at 8 30 in the yeah. morning but you know just that that breathing and and taking taking control of yourself and saying okay this person they may have had a really bad day and then you know adults too Mm-hmm. You just never know what somebody's going through. Exactly. And when I hear stories of what people are going through, I'm like, how do you get up every day, <laughs> brush your teeth, and put on your shoes and not kill somebody and just not wind up on the news? So I have to, I'm going to end this now. And part three is going to be exactly related to what you're talking to and my ill fated um, post Broadway uh, book signing with Lily Tomlin, which did not go how for, you know, the previous two decades I hoped it would. But, you know, maybe she had a, a rough night. Yeah. So. You know, I mean people have bad days and I think when you're an when you're an actor, activist, musician, people expect you not to have bad days. And I think we're held to a higher standard of, you know, okay, well you have to you have to be here for your fans. And maybe you've had a bad day, or she maybe was, you're just an asshole. She was lovely to every other person that signed oh, no. the pro the playbill. I had, oh, by the way, no. I had. I didn't want to get into this, Lily. Um, I had the book, Jane Wagner, her longtime partner, partner uh-huh. wrote the search for signs of the intelligent life in the universe. It's written like a play. Uh-huh. It's fucking brilliant. It's so genius, and I'd always wanted, you know. Because I knew that she had done it on Broadway, like right. in the eighties or right. something, and then she re she came back to Broadway in the early mid two thousands or something. She's like seventy something years old, and does this play again, and she was, you know, all this energy. She's like seventy two, I think, at the time, whatever. And I was just I couldn't believe that I was able to see that. So. Um, and I don't normally do this, but like I went, this will be part three. Okay. I went, you know, to wait to the stage door because I had the original book that this play was based on uh-huh. and, you know, she saw, she was, she seemed really lovely and, and, and people were talking, whatever, blah, blah. and then I, she gets to me and I'm completely like, it felt like my tongue was suddenly a bunch of rigatoni, you know. <laughs> You're just trying to keep it in your mouth? Mangled up. And I didn't, like, I honestly had a hard time <clears throat> putting words together. And so that might explain her reaction. Because I tried to explain to her, like, my ex, ex, ex-boyfriend um, turned... Gave me this book, and I I've read it in the early '80s, and I've always wanted to see you live do this. And now it's just such an amazing opportunity. Thank you right. so much. None of that came out. Like it probably was. I sounded like autistic or something. I don't know. And she was trying to follow, and and she's probably exhausted. By the way, she's yeah, like seventy something, totally. and she just like spent three hours on talking about a book. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, and. I don't know. I just didn't have a very nice reaction. So, and it's probably on me. It's probably you know obviously my insecurity and and there we go again. Um, but be careful meeting your wanting to meet your idols because it doesn't always work out. True. I mean, I've met a couple people where I was like, huh, didn't need to do that. You know, it was better just not knowing you. Yeah. And not knowing yeah. what kind of person you are. And then I've met other people. You know, like um, B. Jeffrey Smith, my my bandmate, who I realized that he made every record that I knew and loved in the 90s. Like, all the records that I loved, I went back and I was like, oh my God, he's on all of these records, right? Daryl Hall, Desiree, um, Billy Ocean, like just all the records that I love. And including the family stand, and you know, when I met him, he is one of the most kind and generous people that Mm. I've ever met. And he's still that. And it's it's lovely. And then, you know, like when I met Phyllis Hyman, we were on a bill with her and um, 
Noel Pointer and, oh, what is his name? The guy that did Funkin' for Jamaica. It's Tom, Tom, uh, I think it might be Tom Brown. or Anyway, so she was, you know, just totally this. Noel Pointer was like <laughs> this angel. And so was he. I mean, they, they, they were just so kind and so encouraging. But like I said, you... I realized later that she was in a really, really dark yeah. place. Yeah. And she couldn't, she just couldn't. She couldn't figure out how yeah. to be nice to people. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I take it, I see it on both sides, and I just try to remember to be I kinda, nice. I kind of wish that I could be a bitch sometimes. Yeah, me like, too. Not oh, all trust that friendly me. Yeah. People, because I feel like I'm. And people make me nervous sometimes too, because you you feel the energy, just like animals. You you feel the energy, and I exactly. think we've kind of gotten away from just relying on that solely. Exactly. But when you meet somebody and you shake their hand, you either go, "Oh, hello," or it's just like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> really?" So you just bring all your little demons around all next the time. time. Okay. Next time, I'm going to tell you my story. We have to cut it off now, okay? Because you got to go home. Yes. I'm going to tell you my story about meeting Judith Light and having a moment with How Judith. How was that? Please tell me it was good. Light. It was so Please tell awesome. me it was good. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and Marie Tree is going to sing us out. Enjoy. Tell me what the hell are you scared of? When in the end, the only thing is love. In the end, love's the only thing. I wanna regret the things wanna, I've done. Wanna, Never wanna, the things I've left wanna, unknown. Wanna, Never a second will I waste. Never an opportunity to taste the sweetness Okay. Next time I'm going to tell you my story. We have to cut it off now. Okay. Because you got to go home. Yes. I'm going to tell you my story about meeting Judith Light and having a moment with How Judith. How was that? Please tell me it was good. Light. It was so Please awesome. Please tell me it was good. Okay. It was so Oh my God. So speak Can of I that. tell you? Yes, tell me. Right, and then I'm going to tell, tell you. All right, all right, yes. All right. So my good friend Matthew um, works at Coke and he re-instituted or re opt the commitment for Coke to fund Joe Papp's... The public. The public. Uh-huh. Um, specifically for uh, the stuff at at the theater, at Central Park Theater. Um, so he invited me, because he knew what a huge Sondheim fan I am, to wait for it. The Broadway... Um, well, the the Into the Woods done in Central Park in the woods. Oh my God! Right, I don't know oh how to like word that. So it's a huge. It was like I almost died when he's like, okay, oh my God, didn't even have to think about it. So come the night of the show, it was like four thousand degrees. In August in New York City. Oh my God. Probably like five years ago or something. Oh my God. But still, I was like, I'm gonna put on my um, wife beater and go right get, ahead. I can almost get back into the suit, like my yeah. sharpest sort of summer suit. Taupe suit, you know? Um, so we go there and it's just Matt and I, and we talk to initially, we get our table and we talk to the key person that he worked with at the public for the fundraising and stuff. And she was lovely. And then we met some other people and we're drinking, you know, it's like open bar. So Matt says, let's go get some food. Cause there's, you know, mm-hmm. a giant food table. So we walk down toward the food and I'm with Matt and Matt is like, I don't know if you've met my friend, Matt. you've met Matt. I feel gorgeous, like, have, yeah. like gorgeous, yeah, really fun and smart. And, you know, so I'm walking with him and walking the opposite direction is Judith Light and her like thirty-year-old boyfriend. Good for her. And of course, I, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Good for so her. I see Judith Light, and I, something comes over me, Marie Tree. I swear to God, I've never done this before in my life. Maybe the heat, because it's so. We're in a <laughs> tent. Uh, it's an air conditioned tent, but it's fucking hot. And she's walking this way, and I walk this way, and she looks at me, and she smiles, and she's gorgeous, she's by the beautiful. way, in, in, in yeah. real life. And I look at her and I said, hi there, how are you? Like, I know her. Like, like she's a, an old friend that I haven't seen mm-hmm. in the longest time. And she, she was like, oh, good, good. So, she, you know, her and her boyfriend are carrying the food. That, that's all it was. But 
it was a moment. I had a moment with Judith Light, and I had this weird kind of like interaction with her. Like, well, this is so weird because there there was a woman. um, She was on Ryan's Hope, and she was also on All My Children. Mm. And she played Delia. So she's this kind of kooky, psychic woman, <laughs> right? And I was walking down the street one day and met her. And I had my guitar. And she, we just stopped and talked. I, I said, I, I love your work. She's like, oh, really? Well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm a musician. And, you know, I do this, that, and the other. And so she was like, hey, you know, give me my number. Give, I'll give you my number. Sometimes I do. And I was just like. Oh, that's so awesome. So that happened, right? And then we were doing this whole Pandora's box thing with my friend um, Mariska. So she was coming over to my house to rehearse the day that I got the call about my mother having a stroke. Right? Oh. So she was in my house. You know, she came. And um, we started talking because her mother is also in Florida and older and, you know, had fallen the week before. And and I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to go. And she said to me, she said, you know, your family is here. They are in your house. She said, the spirits in here are so thick. It's like they're just surrounding. And I was just like, like, I got chills. And I was like, wow, this is so crazy that this woman I loved as a child who was this sort of comforting psychic being in this role is now in my house being this psychic being, this, this medium, this, and it was just the weirdest thing. Like I was so peaceful. And then, you know, my brother called back and he was like, yeah, I lost mom in the ambulance. Cause he had told me, he was like, it's fine. You don't have to come just, you know, till Monday or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to get on the plane now. And she was like, I think that's what you should do. Mm. And she brought this, she had this tea with her. So she made me tea in my own home and served me tea. And I was, it was, it was the most bizarre and amazing moment. Like it was, it was so unexpected and yet just what I need. And then, you know, I called the woman um, to talk because I needed to change my flight. Mm-hmm. My first boyfriend from college had been in town the week before. I just left my mom. And he was like, when's the last time you went to see your mom? And I said, I was just there two weeks ago, but I really want to go see her. I really... And he was like, I'm going to get you a ticket right now. And I was like, no, no. And he was like, no, Marjorie, I'm going to get a ticket right now. And so he bought me a ticket. And then a week later, my mom has a stroke. And I call him. I'm like, look, my mom has a stroke. I need to go home. I'm probably going to have to change the ticket. He's like, call me back. Let me know what you need. And I'll just send you the money. And I was like, wow. And so that happened. And then she showed up. And then I get to the airport and there's this beautiful, oh my God, this man was the most beautiful man I think I've ever seen. Like he was just, he was probably six, five, dark chocolate. He had his hair all wrapped up. He was gorgeous. Mm. And I was standing across from him. He was at the help desk and I was standing across from him by the bathroom. And he was like, Hey, come here. And I walked over and he goes, he goes, what's going on? And I was like, first of all, I think you're one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life. And he was like, are you serious? Nobody ever says that to me. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, well, you are. He said, well, what's going on? I said, my mom had a stroke and I'm, I'm headed home. And he goes, okay, give me a second. What year was he goes this? Away. This was, um, it's been four, it'll be four years in December. Oh. So, and I was at the JetBlue counter. Now, I fly JetBlue all the time. I had not seen him. I fly all the time at this mm-hmm. point. And so he comes back and he's like, come with me. And he walks me on the plane to an extra room seat with nobody in the row. And he's like, have a safe flight and just be okay. What? I never saw him again. Call me. I did. I was like, here, here's my number. Call me. <laughs> like, I know my mom's sick and stuff, but I'll be back. Just, you know. Maybe he was like a spirit. I think he was. He was like I'm a telling real person. You, I, think, I don't think he was a real person. I've never seen him before since. And I, I was like, wow. You know, it just felt like that day. There were just all of these things that were happening, and I felt so protected and so safe, you know, in this moment of panic. Mm. Um, but yeah, she, um, her name is, um, I think it's Eileen Kristen now. I don't know what she used back then, but yeah, so that, that was my, you know, soap opera. And then I saw, did you ever watch Ryan's Hope? No. So there was a guy on there named Seneca, and he's like, he's now an old man. He was an old man on the show. <laughs> but I ran into him on the upper, and I kept, I was like, I was looking at him, and he was like, he was like, hello, young lady. And he was just so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I know you're not young, you're not old enough to remember Ryan's Hope. I was like, oh, my God, you're Seneca. Like, I was totally, like, fanning out 
but he was so gracious and so kind. And I thought, you know, this and Phoebe Snow, same thing. Like that, that beautiful oh, graciousness and the humility. Because remember, she asked us. She was like, "I can't believe you guys know who I am." I, I was know. like, "I was like, Are you kidding right me?" Now. I was like, like, "Oh my god!" I think I had, you know, well, maybe not on me. But that was in the day. In the days where I had like a CD player, yeah, you know, like yeah, we CD all player. did. But I, I straight up, I still do have that CD that I listen to. I love that song, like constantly. That's my joy. Oh, I don't know. I don't. That's my. What song. was I going to mention to you? Um, one more thing. Um, <laughs> I know we're still talking. Ten minutes later. No, it's okay. Um, I can't remember. So we have to pick it's this okay. up. okay. We'll pick this up. We'll do it again. This is great. This is, this is really the thing fun. Ever. Right? I love it. And I think we can do this. I'll research how we can do this on the phone. We can do it over the phone. The people that right? I did it with in Florida. Um, yeah. I. Can you hook me up with them? Yes. Those folks. I'm going to I'm gonna end it here. Um, part three coming soon. Yes. Um, did we come up with a name for the podcast? What did you say? Because that was good. What did I say? It's on there. Jesus. We recorded it. Oh, I did? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so um, as yet untitled. Oh, my God. It's Terrence on there. Trent Derby. <gasps> uh, Fuck. The one that I'm going to. Um, he has one called Delicate. Do you know this one? Delicate Light Rain. I just want to kind of. It's so good. Oh my god. Anyway, um part three coming soon. Uh yeah. stay tuned. Yeah, this is good. This is fun. We off the record has been written, produced, and edited by me, Scott Ambrosino, with production assistance by Christian Hernandez, and our amazing music by the amazing Marie Tree. Thanks for listening. <laughs>